yo what is going on baby nate kennedy the new money podcast episode 24 the truth behind banks what you need to know how y'all doing man another beautiful day as i'm recording this in grimsby ontario hope you guys are enjoying your weekend and had a fantastic week as usual guys if you are using apple podcast greatly greatly appreciate if you could leave me a little review maybe even a comment if you're feeling extra generous thank you guys so much for your continued support i really do appreciate it guys and that'd be great if you could leave a review also as usual message me any financial questions you guys have at the new money podcast on instagram i'm also on facebook i'm pretty much on anything we do a little question every sunday on this show so slide up in my dms man let's get it popping So today, what we are going to be chatting about are banks. All of us, or pretty much nearly all of us, have a bank that we deal with, and they're likely a large commercial one. Today, what I'm going to chat about is what banks truly are, what you should be aware of, and how to use their services effectively and affordably. Now, guys, today, what I'm talking about is more so the day-to-day banking, not so much the loan products available, mortgage loans, things like that. That's beyond the scope of this episode. I'll probably do an episode on that sort of world in the future. But right now, just sort of checking savings, that kind of stuff, just day to day and what you need to be aware of. So without further ado, let's just dive on into it, baby. So how shall I open up this week? Well, first, let's just get started with what banks really are. A bank is a financial institution licensed to receive deposits and make loans. Banks may also provide financial services such as wealth management, currency exchange, and even safety deposit boxes. I don't even know if those really get used that much anymore, but they're there if you need them. There are several different kinds of banks, including retail, commercial, corporate, and even investment banks. I actually had an investment banker on my last interview, so go check that out if you want to learn about that. (laughs) In most countries, banks are actually regulated by the national government or a central bank or some sort of regulatory agency, right? In Canada, we have the Bank of Canada. The Federal Reserve is the central sort of bank for the United States. And then, yeah, it varies from country to country. The simplest way to understand how banks make their money is that they take in your money and all those people's money and exchange for that safe haven and the products they provide you. They actually loan out the money that they get at a higher interest rate and make a spread on that. That's that's the most fundamental way to look at it. Now, these institutions, assuming that they are established and insured, which most banks are or need to be, then, you know, they're actually an incredibly safe place to store your money. It's not like one day you're going to wake up and your money in your checking account is gone because your bank lost it, right? They, a lot of these banks are insured, and we'll talk a little bit about that later in this episode. They're also the foundation of the Canadian economy in, in a lot of respects. Back in 08, when we got rocked, because our banking system was so strong, we actually, you know, held our own to some degree. And, you know, the big six banks in Canada really did a good job of insulating and trying to stay stable throughout that whole time. So, again, a very big staple to our economy specifically. They are also very efficient and a phenomenal tool if you use them to their capacity. However, guys, like anything I talk about on here, it truly, truly pays to know what's going on with your finances and this is no friggin different guys i hate to tell you but banks are not your friend they are a for-profit business and they need to be treated as such you cannot 
always rely on them to steer you in the direction of your best interest. They have targets, they have profits, they have sales numbers that they need to hit. And a lot of times they will guide you in a direction that may not necessarily harm you per se, but it definitely is not optimized for your best interest as it's their interests that matter most to them. Okay. Now, what do I mean by that? Guys, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm not actually trying to shit on banks and say all this crazy stuff. I'm going to dive into what I'm getting at with this episode. You know, I actually bank with CIBC, which is a major big six bank. So I'm not, you know, by any means contrarian in that sense. But let's dive further into what I'm getting at. So guys, banks make billions in profits every single year, the big ones anyway. And that's probably not a surprise to you. You need to understand that a large revenue stream that they have is from underlying fees that statistically speaking, they know that people just aren't keeping track of. So with banks, at the end of the day, you need to stress test any advice that they may be giving you because like I said, at the end of the day, it's their interest over yours. They are always going to advise products, products being maybe a checking account or a savings account or a credit card that make them money. And in some cases they may sell it as, you know, you can make money with a specific product, but a lot of the times it probably cost you money in a different type of way. You need to have a critical eye for such things. And I highly, 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 highly recommend you review your banking products right now to realize what you are paying for, what you're in, what the fees associated with it are, and if there's something better for you out there, because there probably is if you've never checked before. Guys, another big thing that I advise against is to take all of your investment advice from your bank. A lot of the times I have colleagues and friends that proclaim proudly that they sat down with somebody at their bank and set up their mutual funds and they're investing and it's automated and everything's great. And there's a few things with that. Number one, firstly, guys, I am always, 100% proud of people that have taken that initiative and have made a step in the right direction with respect to your future. A lot of people aren't investing. A lot of people aren't taking that step. So that's the first thing. It's like, that's good. That's good that you are thinking about the future. That's good stuff. However, guys, for profit corporation here, big billions, best interests, not really at mind. The investment products being offered to you are likely just not optimized for your goals like they would have you out to believe and probably are much, much more expensive than do-it-yourself options such as Quest Trade, Wellsimple, and other low to no fee brokerages. And guys, if I'm being 100% honest, the investment products that they are likely offering just suck. Like they're probably not good. A lot of bank mutual funds are probably just not that great of a selection. They've probably got some crap in them. They are not optimized to make you that much money. They are optimized to make the bank money. Now, if you want financial advice, there's absolutely nothing wrong with finding a legitimate financial advisor and consulting with them. Just be sure to do your homework with advisors like anything. There are great ones and then there are absolutely terrible ones. Advisors, you know, can be really good, but you know, I don't think you need them. But I mean, we could talk about that another time. I am a fan of do it yourself because once you learn the formula, I just don't really think you need an advisor for anything other than accountability. However, accountability is a big, big thing and it can really be worth hundreds of thousands, if not millions down the line, depending on who you are. So still very advantageous. I just really recommend you guys look into it. And if you want that advisor, if you want that stable accountability, you can use an advisor. You can do it elsewhere too, but you can also look into an advisor. So guys, more 
information on investing specific stuff. Talk a lot about in episode seven and eight on investing. But again, guys, I just do not think you should be taking all your investment advice from your specific bank because it's just not going to be as good as a great financial advisor or doing the homework yourself. Also, guys, last thing on this specific topic, just because somebody works at a bank, it really does not mean that they are a financial expert. A lot of times I find that employees of a bank have a skill set that is optimized and educated to sell rather than to actually inform the customer. A lot of their knowledge is with banking compliance and service and the actual job versus the actual fundamental financial knowledge that you would think that they have for you. Now, guys, again, a lot of these people that work there might be financial experts. They might really know their stuff. They might know a thing or two about it. And I'm not even trying to say that I know more than them, right? But just because they work at a bank does not mean that they know more than you, right? Like a lot of times you'd be surprised, you know, understand and try to not assume things based on perceptions, right? Big bank, they must know about money. It's not always the case, right? They're more salespeople than you know, financial experts. So just try to be aware of that. Lastly, guys, another big thing to be aware of banking fees can be utterly friggin' ridiculous. Things like e-transfer fees, inactivity fees, monthly fees, 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 fees. My goodness, guys, you got to be aware of what's going on in your bank account. If you do have fees that have been going unnoticed by you, don't be afraid to call your bank and negotiate them down. They are often able to. You can check out my episode on negotiation. I believe it's episode 10 on the podcast where I go into how to negotiate fees and your bills down. Really, it doesn't matter if it's your bank or your phone provider, whatever. There's a specific way to talk to these customer service people. And I talk about how you can negotiate those fees down with banks. They're pretty good. If you just reach out to them, they're pretty able to wave it and say, you know, next time try to be aware. <laughs> but Yes, it's really important that you guys are aware of it. Also, a quick side note on banking in general. I made an Insta post dedicated to this, but my friends, please remove overdraft protection if you have it. It likely is impacting your credit score in a negative way and you really don't need it. If you do need it, then you guys need to get your cash flow game up and save some damn money until you don't. Then get rid of it. Basically, if you don't know what overdraft protection is, it's protection against, you know, if you don't have enough money and you spend overspend your checking account, you have the funds, you'll just have to pay it back. It's sort of like a line of credit that you have in case you don't have enough in your bank account, but it costs you money. And again, just it's bad. You shouldn't have it. Save up enough money until you can get rid of it because again, you don't need it. In general, guys, awareness is everything. There are probably some better options if you haven't looked. So if you haven't checked, go check. And I strongly recommend you guys audit the products and transactions and maybe even go line by line and see everything that you have been doing. Guys, I learned this the hard way when I was 18. So here's a little story for you, it's a little story time. I remember one day I was on my break and this was in first year and I was working. So I was like 18 or 19. I remember just going through my bank account and again, like kind of financial aware, but this was way before I started taking all of this stuff seriously. So there was a level of, you know, I kind of wasn't paying attention to some stuff. So I was looking through my bank account and I noticed a fucking massive fee. Like it was like a hundred bucks on like March or something. And it was like inactivity fee or something. Or it was, what was it? It was, um, it was a, just a transactional fee because I only had a number of transactions. I thought I had unlimited transactions. So because I had OSAP, which is my student loans in my bank account, they were 
you know, thousands of dollars in my checking account, which is terrible. You shouldn't have thousands of dollars in checking account. You should be putting that in the savings account for it to earn interest. But yeah, thousands of dollars in my checking account. So I wasn't really keeping, you know, track of how much money was going in and out because it was, you know, a pretty big number. I was getting charged for the past six months, like literally at least $100. I, I think it was $600, $700 that I was out by the time I added it all up. So I freaked the hell out. I called CIBC up, who who is my bank, and I said, yo, I had no idea this was going on, da 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 whatever. And like the snap of the finger, they put $700 back in my account. They said, hey, sir, you know, this is on us because you're supposed to be in a student account. Um, just try to be more aware next time, you know, and, and don't let this pass you by next time. And that was a huge, huge wake-up call for me with respect to fees that, guys, it's easy to lose track of it. And not if you're not checking in in your bank account, periodically, then that, that shit could happen to you too. So I learned the hard way kind of because I lost $700, but I was lucky enough to get it back because they, they have pretty good customer service. Now guys with banks overall, again, please don't think that I'm trying to trash them because I'm really not right. I'm trying to paint both sides. They are a fantastic tool with phenomenal around the clock service. If you use their products effectively and know what you're in and have an informed standpoint, they can also be incredibly forgiving of fees if you give them a ring and you're persistent. Overall, most banks give great service in an easy and accessible way. You just need to be aware that it's not all sunshines and rainbows. I still bank with a big six, like I said, and for the foreseeable future, I probably will as well until you know they start charging me because I'm kind of on a student account and I've drawn it out. And when they stop, then I'll probably leave. But I also bank with an online bank called Tangerine, which is a subsidiary of Scotiabank, which is a big bank. I have a high interest savings account there and I move my money in between that and Wealth Simple. I also have a Wealth Simple account. So I have a few different bank accounts and I move my money around to get the best rates. And because it doesn't cost money, it's a pretty good strategy. Now we're going to talk about that in the next segment of this episode, but essentially what I'm trying to say, big banks, they're good, but you need to use them effectively and you need to be aware of what products you have with them because they can charge you fees under your nose and you wouldn't even know it. So what exactly is an online bank? Well, most banking services have online capabilities in addition to their brick and mortar locations. A large majority of you guys likely bank online as well as those services really have come a very long way in these past few years and are super efficient. With the rise in prominence of internet banking, there have also been strictly online banks that have emerged as well. These internet banks are much more lean and typically cost a lot less while also having savings accounts that offer a much higher return on your money than your typical bank savings accounts. Now, let's go over the pros and cons of internet banks, and I will give you some of my Canadian favorites, what I use specifically, what my whole situation is, and even some American ones that I keep hearing of. So, pros and cons of online banks. The pros, low to no fees. Like I was saying earlier, guys, online banks barely charge anything, if anything at all, because they don't have to cover the cost of their brick and mortar locations, among other reasons. They are super lean businesses that are able to provide more affordable, high return options. Second pro, pretty much all the banks are CDIC insured. What the hell does that mean? CDIC stands for the Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation, meaning there is insurance behind your money and a lot of the banks, if not all of them, 
are insured. So if something were to happen, it's not like your money is just not going to be there, similar to what I was saying earlier on. So you don't have to worry about losing it because the bank is in a quote unquote big boy. Now, if you want to go with an online bank and you're not sure and you want to double check if they are insured, that's totally okay. You can just do a quick Google search and you'll find out quickly if they are CDIC insured or not. The third pro, typically big bank savings accounts will give you F all of a return on your money. Maybe it's like 0.01% or you know something ridiculous like that. With a lot of internet banks, they can give you much higher interest rates in what are known as high interest savings accounts or high yield savings accounts. It's the same thing. Now, recently, some banks have taken a bit of a hit on the rates due to this whole you know, situation of this year, starting with a P or a COVID, depending on what we're talking about here. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to say it. But those rates have since started to recover and some banks haven't wavered at all and still offering great, great stuff. I actually currently have one with Tangerine, which is a bank that is a subsidiary of Scotiabank. I'm earning 2.5% on my money and you know, it can really make a big difference if it's costing you nothing at all and it only makes you money. So why the hell not? Then go and get that if you've got a good amount of money to put in there. Number four pro, potentially better online apps and platforms. Some of the banks may be more optimized for that online experience, more accessibility, etc. Now, I must say that most banks have invested billions into their online capabilities. So, you know, it's not really that much of a differentiation, right? Banking, online banking in general is on a new wave and TD, CIBC, Scotiabank, RBC, I'm sure down south, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, like their online capabilities are pretty freaking good too. So eh, it depends, but some online apps may be better and more you know friendly of an interface for you guys. Now some cons of internet banks. So number one, obviously no brick and mortar location, right? This may mean something to you. Depending on the bank, it may be harder to get withdrawals, get the service you need, such as a fee revision or changing of products. You know, it, it, might, it might actually be kind of cumbersome to not actually have a physical location. Number two, there's less personal interaction. Again, maybe you value this relationship with the tellers or you know the people at the specific bank. It might actually mean something to you, right? So that is a con. There's not really that much of that other than you know customer service on the phone number three online banks can't really compare to the customer service that big banks can provide some just don't have the infrastructure to compete remember my story where they snapped their fingers and they gave me back seven hundred dollars mm, i don't know if an internet bank would be able to do that i don't know how quickly you could get the money back for that so you need to consider that right the reliability of stuff like that, right? You need to consider the capabilities and the customer service aspect of every bank, right? It's a business. You need to consider all the aspects of who you're doing business with. It doesn't matter if it's a bank. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, something you've done your whole life. You got to consider from top to bottom, what are these guys providing me? And if internet banks aren't doing it for you, that's okay. So I definitely think that you need to consider customer service and accessibility as an aspect that you weigh with your decision with who you bank with. And number four, promo rates, right? Some of these banks, these high interest savings accounts, you know, they may offer a super flashy promo rate too. 
two and a half percent three percent on your month 3.75 at one time i saw that's crazy and then it might drop down to something that's still probably a lot better than a regular savings account but it's not even close to the promotional rate that they were giving you before. Now, for me, I tend to move my money around to different accounts since there's really no fee to do so with a lot of these banks. I have a few different accounts and I'll push my money to where I will get the largest return. It's not nearly as bothersome as it may sound to do, but you know, I understand if that's more work than you're willing to do. If that's the case, then finding a solid online bank to just stick with is totally okay as well. And a lot of the times the savings rates are gonna be solid across the board. So it's just a consideration for you if you do want to get the highest return at all times, then it's not that hard to move your money around. Now, here is the thing about internet banks that kind of counters a lot of the cons that I just said. A good amount of these internet banks are in fact backed by massive banks or are simply subsidiaries of them. So they have the resources of the big banks at their disposal. So again, I just said that I have a Tangerine account. Tangerine is a subsidiary of Scotiabank, right? So they have the infrastructure behind them to, you know, kind of compete with the bigger banks and the customer service and the accessibility and the things like that. Simply Financial is an internet only bank and it is backed by CIBC. I tend to think that these are probably the best online banking options that you can get because they have the money and the support and the infrastructure of the big boys while still having the you know low to no fees as well as the high returns. With these options as well, you'll be able to withdraw money in a physical location from the parent bank customer service is probably going to be better again and you can have the overall relative certainty that the bank's not going to fail because they have such a giant behind them now some of the best online banks in canada again i, I think i've said it like five times tangerine which is what i use that's why i use them because they're very good simply financial again very good equitable bank is a good option as well wealth simple just opened up their savings accounts within the past few years and just opened a checking account so i think wealth simple is going from a investment first platform to a more banking option so you can look into them as well i really like wealth simple i actually had a representative come on the show a few episodes ago so go check that out if you want to know what they're all about and in the united states i've heard a lot about alibank and marcus and those sort of online platforms so again those are good options for you guys down south if you want low to no fee options but everything i've really talked about today can be sort of applied to any country it doesn't matter i just kind of intertwine the canadian versions of it with this episode so again what do i do overall and what do i make of this well i say why not use both right i bank day-to-day -day with cibc as they currently don't charge me anything because i'm still in student status when that changes i'm probably going to shift to simply financial which is an internet only bank I have all my savings in Tangerine, which is 2.5% for the next five months. And then once that's over, I'll probably go to Simple. They'll probably have the next best rate and I have an account with them already. One side note that I must say here too is whenever I find I shift my money out of an account, the online bank will realize this and then they'll offer me the rate that I previously had at promo or even higher. So don't be afraid to bounce around because again, usually it doesn't cost you a dime and you'll create demand from the different banks you're dealing with to get that promo rate over and over and over again. Now, guys, that's not an exact science. That's completely anecdotal. So don't take that and say, well, Nate, you said this and that and whatever. Like, that's just what I've noticed happens. They realize that they want my money. They want my business. So they'll give me the rate back. So I kind of just push it around. And it was something that I kind of stumbled across. So, you know, use at your own risk, my friends. Also, guys, I think regardless of your situation, I 100% think that you should open a high interest savings account today 
no questions asked. I think they offer phenomenal services, give you a great return on your money. And oftentimes, again, it's really easy to shift your money from your high interest savings account to your main account. When shopping around for a high interest savings account, I recommend you guys look out for three things, right? Number one, the rate, right? Like make sure you're getting a damn good rate. Number two, accessibility, right? Liquidity, how quickly can you actually access your savings and how, you know, if something were to come up, you know, is it 24 hours? Is it three to five business days? Is it a week, right? Like that's such a huge consideration. So please weigh it accordingly. And number three, the credibility and reputation of the bank, right? Err on the side of the more reputable banks as their services are probably a lot better and more established and have more investment in them and are again, more advantageous for you. Look for those ones that are you know, subsidiaries of the big banks, they often are the best because they have the money behind them. Overall, guys, with this episode, I'm just trying to help you guys realize that you have the friggin' power to use these banks as tools to help you generate wealth rather than to hold you back from generating wealth. Understand the game, play the game, beat the motherfucking game, right? That's all it is. Let's use these products to our advantage and allow them to aid us in our journey to financial freedom. You understand me? You get me? Let's get it. Come on now. So, guys, here is the new money mailbag. I got a question from Finance by Cooper on Instagram, and he asked me if I think there's going to be another stock market crash. So, guys, basically, the... Stock market took a shit <laughs> in uh, in March and a little bit of April, and it's since been storming back like crazy, um, and it's almost recovered, right? This past week, it dipped back down a little bit, dropped a, a good amount. So, you know, it's wild. And do I think there's going to be another crash? I don't know. Nobody does. Nobody knows if there's going to be another crash. What do I think is going to happen? I think it's going to be a lot of up and down, like usual, right? But I think that mm, if I were to put my money on something, which I'm not, like I'm not putting my money on this specifically, but if I were to put my money on it, I'd say that, you know, we've seen the worst, right? We're going to maybe dip down a little bit, but we're going to slowly start to climb back. I might be completely wrong. What I want to say with this question is, guys, don't try to invest off your predictions, invest off fundamentals, right? That's what you need to be doing, right? And if you're investing long term, Go check out my episodes on investing, but essentially, you know, buy diversified funds and just periodically buy in and don't worry about if the market's going to go up and down. Don't try to time the market, right? Just buy products that represent the market because in the long term, the market is very, very, very likely to go up. And so, you know, worrying about if there's going to be another crash or not, it doesn't matter. Just keep buying in, stick to your plan and start your plan if you haven't, but don't worry about any of this crashing stuff. Will there be one? Maybe. Who knows? Who cares? Right? That's that's what it is. So show takeaways. Number one, banks are not your friend, but rather a for-profit business. Now they are not your enemy and it's okay that they're a for-profit business, but you need to use them as a tool and they need to be treated as a tool, not your friend, right? Do your research, be aware of your finances and products that you have and stress test them against what is available out there, right? If you haven't ever looked into what else you can do, then do that because there's probably some better stuff out there. Figure out what you value out of your banking and don't settle for less. Treat banks as business partners, right? If they aren't up to par or they're charging you too much damn money, don't be afraid to dip, right? We need to use banks instead of them using us, okay? So just be aware of that, my friends. Number two, their investment products probably aren't in your best interest, so you 
probably should review them if you have them. I am a strong believer in do-it-yourself investing. I don't really think you need an advisor. I don't think with the investment world out there that you need somebody to be doing all this stuff, but advisors definitely can be worth their money if you think you do need them, right? You just need to vet them and make sure that they are legit and that they do have your best interest at heart. So nothing wrong with advisors. I personally don't use one and I don't think I will. If you do want one, there's nothing wrong with that. Just look into them. I do not think that your bank should be your financial advisor because there's just too much of a conflict of interest in my opinion. Number three, banking fees will kill you. So minimize them as much as possible, my friends. Don't be afraid to call these guys up and review and negotiate those fees. Oftentimes you'll be able to get them waived. They have the power to reimburse them if you're with a regular commercial bank. So be vigilant and make sure you know what you're in, similar to my first sort of takeaway. And number four, the last one, look into the power of online banks and high interest savings accounts. Figure out what blend works for you. Why not use both? Why not have the power of commercial banks with the return capability and the fee structure of a online bank for your savings, right? Like you can use both, use it to your advantage, figure out what works for you, what blend is best. You can go fully online. I'm probably going fully online pretty soon. There's nothing wrong with that. Figure out what works for you, my friends. Guys, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your continued support. We are going to keep killing it. We're going to keep growing and taking our money to the next damn level together. I love y'all to death and I will see you later this week. I am out this mother. Peace.